Psalm 138 of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. A caveat before I use this illustration. This is not um, a political endorsement of any kind. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a... I actually don't know who I'm going to vote for. Probably... Kanye West, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, and this uh, there's yesterday um, was the Democratic National Convention, um, and and there was one thing that came out one there that that was was fitting, and uh, and this is all politically staged and calculated. So like I mean, uh, and I'm fairly cynical about politics, so like don't take this all as, at, at all as a as an endorsement of this person's character. But uh, uh, Joe Biden uh, uh, was first nominated by a woman named Jacqueline Brittany. Did you guys see, hear this? Uh, hear about this? So Jacqueline Brittany uh, was, a, was a previously little-known security guard at the New York Times headquarters. So she's like an elevator guard, basically. She waits at the lobby, and when someone comes, they, she takes them to the elevator, escorts them to the floor, and then comes back down and goes back to the lobby. Uh, and, uh, and and she bec- kind of became a viral sensation last December when she uh, basically Joe Biden came in and Joe Biden was like her favorite candidate or whatever. This was when all the Democratic candidates, primary candidates, were trying to win the New York Times endorsement. And, um, and so he was there to do an interview with the New York Times and then she just blurted out, oh, I love you. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he was like really nice to her and offered to uh, take a selfie with her after, you know, after getting off the elevator and whatnot. And so, so she um, became uh, uh, this viral sensation, and she was called upon to become the first person to nominate Joe Biden at the Democratic convention uh, yesterday. And, and what she said was obviously scripted, but it was still meaningful in the sense that she said this, I take powerful people up on my elevator all the time. When they get off, they go to their important meetings. But in the short time I spent with Joe Biden, I could tell he really saw me that he actually cared that my life meant something to him. And I knew, even when he went into that important meeting, he'd take my story in there with him. Uh, That's because Joe Biden has room in his heart for more than just himself. Um, So uh, this kind of tribute is meaningful because it's an example of someone in an exalted position, right? A position of power, um, you know, coming to meet someone in a lowly position, right? Uh, Like an elevator security guard. And uh, and and in a much more meaningful sense, and in a in a in a far uh, uh, more real sense, 
uh, we have been witnesses of that kind of magnanimity and condescension in the best sense of that word, right? And, and that's in God who had nothing to gain from us whatsoever, right? Joe Biden had something to gain from her, right? Camera was rolling when he was in the elevator, right? And he uh, uh, obviously, it look, makes him look really good when he does something like that, right? And, uh, but God had nothing to gain from attending to us, nothing. Uh, he was already king, he was not vying for the affection of the people to get their votes or approval, right? He, he had nothing to gain from us, and yet he stooped down to save us, to make a covenant with us, to, to rescue us from our sins, to deliver us. And so that's really what that, this psalm is about, God's condescension. And, it, and the main point is that we should give thanks to the high God who regarded us as in our lowly estate. And so, uh, so the, there's really three movements in the psalm. The first is that David speaks of God's exaltation before the gods in verses 1 to 3. And then he speaks of God's exaltation before the kings in verses 4 to 6. And then finally, he speaks of God's condescension to the lowly in verses 7 to 8. And so first we see God's ex- exaltation before the gods in verses 1 to 3. Verse 1 says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. So the gods is not a reference to uh, other deities. Um, the Bible clearly teaches that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? Deuteronomy 6. And that the idols, uh, it also teaches that the idols that people worship are no gods at all. Right? Jeremiah chapter 16, 20 says, Can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods, right? Uh, but the Bible does call uh, lesser angelic beings gods uh, in various places, uh, with quotations maybe in English, uh, so to speak. So it, it's, uh, you see that in Psalm 58, verse 1, Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of men uprightly? In Psalm 82, verse 1, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So these are the kind of angelic beings who, who that the Bible sees as ruling at God's appointment over the various nations throughout the world. So this is kind of that's kind of the biblical um, cosmology, and um, and 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 these are the kind of beings that are in view when David says this. And uh, and of all of these so-called gods in the presence of before all of these rulers of the nations, David says he has eyes for only one God. And that is the Lord. Um, he says, and he says to him, I give you thanks with my whole heart because he worships only one God. So he can give him his whole heart, an undivided heart. Um, and his worship is exclusive and he confidently declares before these so-called gods, I sing your praise, O Lord. So he accepts no rival claim of deity. And David continues his worship in verse 2, I bow down toward your holy temple. And give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So two verbs are used to describe David's worship, right? So first is bow down. He says, I bow down. That's the same word that is sometimes translated as worship, I worship. Uh, And to worship means, in Hebrew, to bow down. Um, And so it really conveys what worship at its heart means, right? to worship doesn't mean to co-opt God for our purposes. Um, to worship doesn't mean to say things about God that makes us feel good about ourselves. To worship at its heart is to bow down, to submit, to surrender, um, to lower ourselves in our, in, in our take our proper place before the God who is exalted. Um, and the second verb that is used is give thanks. Second, he said, I give thanks, right? 
Thanksgiving is emphasized so frequently and consistently throughout Scripture, but I think it's something that doesn't get that much attention uh, in terms of weight with what we talk about. Uh, but we are, as we know, to give thanks in all circumstances, right, in First Thessalonians 5. And because only Thanksgiving properly recognizes how good and gracious God has been to us. It's the only posture that's appropriate for God's people, considering how good and gracious God has been toward us. And so that's the two verbs uh, that, that David uses for worship. And then he gives the two reasons why he worships. Uh, verse 2 again, For your steadfast love and your faithfulness. That's the first reason. And then for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So two reasons. So steadfast love and faithfulness really summarize God's gracious character. Um, and God's name and word summarize his glorious position. Uh, that God is unreservedly connect, committed to His people in love and faithfulness, uh, and and He so He deserves the worship of His people. But not only that, God has exalted above all things, lifted high above all things, His name, which stands for His person, His identity, and His word, which refers to His speech, His revelation of Himself, the Scriptures, as well as all that God has said and promised. And so these two things, God has exalted above all things, meaning. Nothing and no one can rival the glory and authority of God's name and God's word. Uh, and because God is who he is, uh, David now testifies in verse 3, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. It's a great expression. I don't know how many times you guys have felt that. Um, not just physical depletion, but uh, a feeling like you've been sapped of your soul strength. Right, being sapped of, um, of, uh, of maybe your very life's vitality. Right, sometimes you feel like that, um, and those are times we need to call out to the Lord, and He increases the strength of our souls. Um, and so, because of who God is and what He has done, David exalts God before the gods. Uh, and then in verses four to six, he speaks of God's exaltation before the kings. He said in verse four, "All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord." Uh, so because God is supreme over all, he is praised before all the gods, uh, this, this angelic beings. But not only that, because God is sovereign over all, he is to be praised not only by David, who is the king of Israel, but also by all the kings of earth, the kings of all the nations. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. So these are the reasons for the praise. For great is the glory of the Lord. So the words of God's mouth and the glory of the Lord are reasons for praising Him, and they correspond to the name and word of God mentioned in, in verse 2. And then in verse 6, he adds one more reason why the kings of the earth should give thanks to God. For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. Um, and, and this is what we were, we were talking about, is that God who should have no regard... Uh, uh, for people like us, uh, chose us and has a relationship with us, makes promises to us and delivers us from our enemies. And, and David has personally experienced this. And so he says in verse 7, Do I walk in the midst of trouble? You preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. And... Uh, And then verse 8, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. 
do not forsake the work of your hand. And, and this psalm, the deliverance that is in view here uh, of David uh, is fulfilled ultimately in the deliverance that God sends to his son Jesus. Uh, and because Jesus is God's ultimate expression of his condescension, that God, uh, who the God of the universe somehow becomes incarnate in a baby, right? He's born in a manger, uh, in a stable, uh, and, and he lives a life of, of uh, lives among sinful men. Uh, and, and he dies and uh, die a death of a sinner, a criminal, uh, a slave. Uh, and, and he does this not because he is lowly, rather he is the most exalted above them all. He's the most exalted, his name is exalted, right? And, and yet he, he dies because he wants to save us, to deliver us, um, to lift us up from the mire of sin. And so in dying for our sins on the cross and being raised from the dead, he rescues us. And so the Lord, He fulfills His promise, His purpose for us. Uh, his steadfast love endures forever. That's why in Luke 1, 73-75, Zechariah uses these expressions of being delivered from the hand of the enemy um, uh, to speak of Jesus. He says that God grants that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. This happens uh, through Jesus. And and something to remember, I think, as we uh, go as we live, uh, it's just how God condescends to us in Jesus, because here it it says that the Lord is high; He regards the lowly, uh, and in Jesus, uh, uh, God becomes lowly, right? Um, and I'm reminded of what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, right? When He says, uh, "Come to me, all you who are are heavy laden," right? He says, "I am, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls." Mm-hmm. He, uh, it's he, he describes himself in his heart, his very heart, as gentle and lowly. Mm-hmm. Um, lowly meaning, you know, you I don't know, walked into a, uh, walk into a room. You know, uh, rock, walking to a networking hall, uh, and you people are always kind of measuring themselves against other people, and then there's a, there's a hierarchy in people's minds. Okay, those are the important people. These are the people you want to talk to. Maybe even when you come to church, there's a hierarchy. Oh, these are the important people. These are the people you want to talk to, right? Um, uh, but if it and the people who are in power, people who are high and exalted, are less accessible to us, right? Uh, but Jesus, who is the most exalted. He was not like that. He was. He is accessible to us. He is gentle and lowly. He makes himself available to us. He condescends to us. Uh, that's what God has been doing throughout the entire redemptive history recorded in Scripture. Uh, and Jesus is the ultimate culmin- the culmination of that. And so I might just hope that we live with that reality, uh, understanding of our Savior, uh, and know his feel and sense his graciousness and goodness. And, and don't forget uh, that he will fulfill all of his promises. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. All the things that we might be discouraged by, all the sins, uh, besetting sins in our own lives, all the struggles that we face in this life, uh, we can pray along with David at verse 8, do not forsake the work of your hand. Uh, we are God's handiwork. Uh, we're the work of his hand. He's not going to forsake us. He will continue that work he has begun. 